Hmm, that's weird. That's weird. Kind of weary me out. You are a sad, strange little man. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Isn't that weird? That's weird, man. It's strange. What's up, campers? Welcome back to episode 133 of Camp Strange. I'm your camp counselor, Alex Tobin. And I'm your other camp counselor. Tobin, Tobin's just waiting for me to waiting to see what I'm gonna say this time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, side eyeing you. I'm David. That's it. That's all he is. That's all he'll ever be. Yep. And we're back to bring the spooky, wacky, weird, strange in golf. 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 I'm bad at golf, but sometimes I'm good at golf. David, are you okay. good at golf? Um, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I played like twice, so probably oh. bad. You seem like a golfing type. Like you would play golf a lot. Uh is that because I'm white? No, it's because you love day drinking. <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I mean, hey, let's let's go let's go make some people mad about how slow we play on a golf course one of these days. But before oh, we yeah. do that, we got to catch you up on any of the weird news you may have missed. And I have a story right here that'll just warm your heart because it warmed mine as dog who kept sneaking into a dollar general for a unicorn toy gets his plush and a new start. So apparently this dog kept, um, it was where is this North Carolina? It kept sneaking into a North Carolina Dollar General store, and uh, it says it's like a pit mix or something like that. But he kept sneaking into the store every single time somebody would leave the store, and it would head straight for the toy section in the back and try to grab the same purple unicorn every single time after it got chased out of the store. Aww. I know it's so it's a dollar store. Just let him have it. Well, I mean, I even got to the worst part yet. So the dog kept, uh, you know, each time it, it went and it went to grab the plush purple unicorn toy and they finally had to lock the doors and they called animal control. Goddamn heartless dollar general. But animal control showed showed up and <clears throat> it says Samantha Lane, the officer responded to the dollar general store's call was uh, so taken with the dog's devotion to the unicorn that she bought the ten dollar toy for the dog how is it ten dollars in a dollar store exactly that's what i was gonna say i don't even care that the dog got the toy i'm so mad at dollar general one for calling animal control but two for charging ten dollars for this and not just giving it for free right give the dog the toy it's hogwash they're like well it ends with dollar ten (laughs) dollar twenty dollar that's where I bought my Michael Jordan cologne in the can. Hell yeah. That was a really good buy. I bet. And I Hey, the best cologne I've ever gotten, I got it for free when I bought an I bought a old dirty bastard t-shirt. At the Dollar General? No. I don't know where it was. Oh. Um <laughs> ever since I used that cologne, I've been very vindictive and bitter at anybody that's uh, tried to <laughs> try to play against me in basketball. So, yeah. Um, but um, there is a silver lining. So they brought the dog to the shelter, and it curled up with the purple unicorn. It stayed there for a few days, hoping. They said that they hoped that the dog um, belonged to somebody because it would have made more sense if the dog ran to the dog food section and like ripped open a bag, but it kept going to the unicorn toy. So they think that it belonged to a family that had a child that had a purple unicorn or something similar in that way. 
but uh, you know, after posting on social media, they didn't get any hits. But don't worry because they got a bunch of calls to try to adopt this little uh, little girl, and they named her after. I never saw that Ryan the Last Dragon movie. I do want to see it, but they named it uh, Sisu S I S U after uh, a character. I think it might be the dragon from that okay. movie. And, yeah, uh, I tried to watch that the other night and was immediately furious when it told me I had to pay extra on top of what I'm already paying for Disney+. No, really? Yeah, it's like, yo, you have to have premium. HBO Max ain't doing that. They're yeah. they're letting us watch Monkey vs. Lizard for free. Tomorrow? Is that tomorrow? Big Monkey. Oh. So it's not tomorrow for you guys. Um, it's yesterday for you guys. So go watch Monkey oh, vs. Lizard. Um, but big uh, monkey versus I'm sorry. bigger lizard, but big monkey have axe and abs. Yeah. Wait, he has axe. Yeah. I think he has an axe or a sword. He has some mystical, uh, 300 foot sword or something. He does not. He probably <laughs> tore, tore no. the like golden gate bridge in half and is using one of the, one of the. No, golden gates. No, um, it's it's definitely like a magical weapon from a volcano or some shit. <laughs> but luckily, um, I think uh, it says Sisu uh, did. I think he's getting or she's getting adopted, which is very exciting stuff. But here's Dollar General knew that this was bad press, so <clears throat> they uh, they they decided to reach out. Uh, they told People Magazine and that uh, Dollar Dollar General plans to send a few a few extra purple unicorns for the adoptive uh, family, a thank you gift to Animal Control Officer Lane, and a pet food donation to the uh, Duplin County Animal uh, Services. So they I, did. I could just I could just see the CEO of Dollar General being like, "Yeah, let's send them some." They're like, "How many?" He pulls his wallet out, and he's like. <laughs> Five. <laughs> no, he's like, send him like a dollar's worth of uh, gift and dollar's worth of food and, uh, and of dollars course, worth of, dollars of worth nerds of candy. <laughs> Can you send him some Michael Jordan body spray? Because that dog smelt. <laughs> that's, that's a stanking dog. No, it's a good dog. And it got a good home and a good unicorn. So it's just it's a very happy story. And there's some very cute pictures online if you want to go check them out. They're they're very sweet. So yeah. start off with a with a good one. Yeah. Alright, my news story says um dog sneaks into Dollar Tree to steal <laughs> To steal, to steal man's virginity. <laughs> Ooh, a little darker on this one. <laughs> now, uh, Trinity College in Perth bans mullet haircuts, labeling no. them unacceptable. That's not okay. Yeah, so uh, Trinity College is a is an elite private boys' school in Perth, um, which I didn't know. Uh, they didn't Western invite Australia. me. They didn't invite me. Uh, <laughs> But I, what I did enough. not know is that the mullet is an Australian hairstyle. Really? I guess so. It rains from uh, Austria. That's what? Australia. <laughs> uh, he thinks Aust- <laughs> Austin. That's that's the opening scene of uh, of Dumb and Dumber where he goes, "I love your accent. Where is it from?" She goes, "Austria," and he goes. Ah, put another shrimp on the barbie. 
He's like, let's not. But yeah. um, um, uh, I mean, we've America has really taken it and ran with it. I have to say, we've really gotten yeah. the the mullet baton and and really put it on a pedestal because it's doing well over here in certain parts. And uh, yeah. my my cousin had one in the nineties as a yeah. as a child. I feel like every child has one at one point. Well, he was also very, very into WWF wrestling. So I feel okay. like that kind of comes with the territory in the 90s. Yeah. There's probably yeah. a couple big stars that were rocking the mullet, I have to say. Probably, right? How many barbed wire tattoos does he have today? <laughs> Just one, but it goes all the way around his body like a coil. <laughs> it's like it's like he's in the middle of razor wire. Mm. <laughs> He's he's in the razor wire circle. I love that. Yeah, I always think about it. if you got trapped in there, what would that be like? It wouldn't be fun. <laughs> no, you'd be like it's death slinky. <laughs> so, but um, it kind of makes sense though because uh, you know Australia, we love Australia, but like hey, it uh, started as a prison. So if you like WWF and <laughs> you like prison, you might have a mullet. There Just saying. And I love it. I love both places. So sign me up. Um, I have another story right here as Anchorage Costco customers say Ravens are stealing their groceries in the parking lot. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I love mean, a good Raven tale. I know. <laughs> David dresses in robes and goes and stands in the forest. And he's like, have you seen the Raven? That's not far off. Do you know about the, the Raven in my family? No. Yeah, uh, every every Christmas the Raven comes instead of Santa, and uh, someone in our family uh, likes to decorate the house in Raven stuff and wrap random objects throughout the house. Like sometimes it's like the TV remote, sometimes it's like car keys of someone who's there, um, sometimes it's like a bottle of Tabasco, and yeah, he just gives them out to people on Christmas. Everybody's always excited to see what they get from the Raven that year. That's actually fun. Yeah, no one knows who the Raven is, but well, it's fun. if you're if you're lucky enough, you might get this Raven because uh, one customer from South Anchorage, Alaska's Costco said uh, he was realized he was robbed when he was walking out to the parking lot, as he had something underneath his cart, and when he turned back to see the bottom of the cart, something was missing can you guess what it was david and you better hope that you get this raven for christmas uh toilet paper no it wasn't a toilet paper garbage bags it was it was burned through garbage bags (laughs) that leg yeah wrap it wrap it again i wish the raven would wrap your leg for christmas fly away with it me too stinky ass leg um <laughs> no, this raven steals filet mignon steaks, boy. Whoo! Sheesh! That's a bird of taste. <laughs> he steals steaks. So he had one of the. He looked over and saw a raven with his all big old. Well, filet mignons aren't big, but just a steak in his mouth. And uh, and there's he left with three other steaks. So it was a four pack, which is like what a flex. Who's buying a yeah. four pack of filet mignon? I'm buying half a filet mignon. Yeah, that's at least 80 bucks right there. You think? No, I don't fucking know. No, I mean, you're probably right. I I see some steaks at Costco, and I'm like, ooh, I wish they didn't sell them in bulk. 
Yeah. Can I get what? Just take one out and walk <laughs> out with it. Seriously. I just put it on my eye and I go, I got hit with a baseball. <laughs> one of your employees punched me. I need to go. I still can't imagine like that scene from the Sandlot when he gets hit in the eye with the baseball and he fucking puts the steak on his eye. It still yeah. blows my mind. I'm like, are they going to eat that later? You can't eat that now. You can't eat that, right? Yeah, you can eat it later. Yeah, if you cook it, it's going to burn off all that eye goop. <laughs> <laughs> all that black eye. But uh, yeah. there's another raven, uh, of course. Uh, it stole a pack of steaks this time. Not filet mignon, but you know you can't always get what you want. Yeah, you can't always hit the top shelf. You got you can't enjoy the the filet mignon without a little chuck. Oh, oh, but this oh, there's another one. Oh, pack of steaks, and then there's another one. They're big meat meatheads. As another one got a package of short ribs and was flying away with the entire package in his mouth. One time, a wasp a wasp stole one of my chicken nuggets. A wasp stole your chicken nugget. I feel like you told me this before. It was traumatizing. <laughs> it was a full chicken nugget. No, it was half. Okay, see that's me. Which I'm meat. not sure. <laughs> I, I don't know how I didn't eat the whole thing in one <laughs> bite, but yo, that wasp is me leaving Costco with half my filet mignon. <laughs> <laughs> Just my long legs and my bulbous body, and yeah, I bite. You got long legs. Oh, don't try to stop me. I bite. I don't sting, but I bite like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I got three wasps in my shirt one time, and I got bit like seven times. I froze a wasp once and t- put a leash on it and tied it to my mom's uh, door handle on her car. Welcome to Camp Wasp. We're just going to be telling you wasp stories. <laughs> did you really do that? Yeah. I've seen people do that with like flies and they make them into pets or whatever. Yeah, no, I did that, but with a wasp. You put the boy in a coma and then tied him to a string. Did you untie him after? What happened? Um... Oh, dude, I feel like I a tennis think... racket had to get involved. <laughs> you probably there was went no... right through the holes. There was no untying in this situation. Oh, no. It was not happy, to say the least, about its uh, its whole leash situation. <laughs> I would guess so. Probably yeah. chewed right through that dental floss. <laughs> oh, anyway. So uh, th- th- if you guys are in South Anchorage, Alaska, at your Costco, just make sure to hide your meat from the ravens because they're coming also if you bring walking out some chicken nuggets hot dog that's wasp territory they get they get the trimmings after the ravens are done so uh be careful of them wasps too i i wish we had ravens in oregon you guys don't have ravens what's the difference between a raven and a crow i'm pretty sure a raven is goddamn turkey sized they have to be bigger right i think it's just like a a massive pack of short ribs yeah, I think it's just like a massive crow. Oh, really? Yeah, but they're I, like super intelligent. Uh, yeah, they are. Oh, yeah. You know what? I did notice one thing about ravens that if like you fuck with them, they recognize like they recognize people and they'll like come back and like if you show back up, they'll like attack you, but like yeah. not other people because they like recognize you and they also yeah. mourn their dead. Yeah, they're smart ass birds. Yes, very smart. So and they have good taste. Mm. Ain't no wasp eating a half a chicken nugum. All right. The, Lindsey the wasp Graham. comes back. I, I need sweet and sour sauce. Too bad this is a ranch house. You get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only dipping sauce. Like, a barbecue and sweet and sour are mine. 
sweet and sour first, but yeah, if part of it for me is it's I I I do go for the sweet and sour when it's when it's the thing because it's like you can have ranch and barbecue sauce at home. No Thank one's got you. a thing of sweet and sour. That's at home. exactly what I was about to say. You have yeah. to you have to there's a reason why I have sweet and sour sauces in tiny containers in my fridge from other fast food restaurants. Oh, and I don't not, support that. No, I just mean like I don't eat them all, so like I have leftovers because you gotta have a. I also yeah. have a Chick Fil A sauce in there. You know, barbecue sauce. You just get some sweet baby Ray's ketchup. You get some Heinz, some Hunts, whatever you got going on. But mm-hmm. you can never get the sweet and sour in yeah. a store. They don't have it. Yeah. So. Uh, how how okay? So what's what is your number one fast food sauce? Uh, dipping uh, dipping ch- sauce. Oh, Chick Chick Fil A sauce. I have to say, it's. Have really, you really tried Chick Fil A's Polynesian sauce? Yes, it's weird Ooh, because okay, love it. it threw me for a loop though because I was expecting sweet and sour and then it like wasn't, so I was immediately like turned off from it. But I oh. really didn't give it a fighting chance. I went straight back to the Chick Fil A. You gotta give it another shot. It okay. is. It's something else. It's the only reason I'd go there now. I don't go there because company sucks and there isn't <laughs> one within like 100 miles but i feel like you should have led with the second one <laughs> no i've met drunk david there are no morals <laughs> or or distances <laughs> he sobered up three times driving there <laughs> <laughs> so uh lindsey graham says he owns an ar-15 in case of natural disaster and gangs I literally, that's so funny you bring that up because literally this weekend, Chris Barlow was here and Katie and my girlfriend and they, she, (laughs) fuck off. And she goes, oh, Lindsey Graham. And I go, who's that? And (laughs) Chris goes, that's the guy from Frasier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guess what? Frazier's coming back. <laughs> and I go, I don't. And then Katie's like, huh, is it? And I'm sitting there. I go, I don't think it is. And then, and then eventually we came to Kelsey Grammer and it definitely wasn't. Oh, she's texting me from the other room. I think she, it wasn't Chris. It was Brett. Oh, it was Brett. Well, you know what? I'm throwing Chris underneath the bus, but let's pretend it's just Chris. Cause it's funnier to mess with Chris. Yeah. Um, and he's appeared on this podcast so people can connect better. Yeah, yeah. That guy doesn't know Lindsey Graham from a from a Niles brother. <laughs> oh, well, I was wondering what's the what's Niles' name? Oh, dude, I don't know at all. Niles. I never even really seen the show. Frazier. All I know is a little dog. I don't there know how they're going to do an old man. I don't get how they're going to do a Oh, he's played by David Hyde Pierce. Oh, David Hyde Pierce. I have heard that name before. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Anyway, so wait, what was he talking about? He's got an well, AR-15. So, yeah, Lindsay Olin, a Graham, middle name Olin. He's mm-hmm. an American lawyer, politician, serving as the senior United States senator from South Carolina. Not funny uh, guy from Cheers. Not uptight no. guy from Cheers. No. Uh, so, yeah, he says he owns an AR-15, you know, one of the classic assault rifles that... The I mean, at the end of the day, the only reason to own one is for like fun. Like no one is hunting with an AR-15. Mm, except the way I look Ravens. at it, it's like I I like compare an AR-15 to like those like Hondas from Tokyo Drift, where like people just like put a ton of money into it, and it's like, look, it's pink and it's got flames on it. Mm. Uh, it's kind of just like a hobby gun, I think. But yeah, yeah, it's. 
it's, it's overkill. It's a, yeah, it's a tactical assault no rifle. Pun intended. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, yeah, he says he has it in case of natural disaster or gangs. Or I, no, he says natural disaster and gangs. So the possibility of a gang of natural disasters. I just can't wait for him to run out in the middle of a tornado and just start shooting right into the <laughs> twister. I'm gonna get you, Twister. And then there's a bunch of gang members in it, like you said. Oh, that is something else. Yeah. You've been jumped in the eye of a tornado. <laughs> I haven't, but that's why. No. I... Oh, man, I'm from Oregon. We don't get that shit. We just get <laughs> rain all year. True. Um, yeah, that's kind of crazy. It's just like, I don't know. Think of a better excuse if you want to keep it. I'm okay if you want to keep it. Just like I don't, Just like think of a better excuse. And then I'll be like, okay, that seems valid, but doesn't seem like he has a good one yet. Yeah, and if you love if you love your AR-15s, fi- find a way to get a positive story in the news with one. <laughs> Man kills all ravens at South Anchorage Costco <laughs> with AR-15. Saves filet mignon, has filet mignon barbecue for entire town. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, raven meat. Yeah. Mm, yum. That's all my news. Anyway, yeah, it's all my news too. So I, I guess we should just jump into this these stories we got, right, David? Right. Th- that's why we're here. That's what we're here to do. Is yeah, I think. Yeah, he thinks. Uh, I'm checking. I'm checking my uh, checking, checking my calendar. See if I wrote a story this week. <laughs> checking my blood pressure. Yeah, we're good. Mm, yep, high, still high. Cool. Still high. Uh, that's how I like to keep it that way, so I could run faster. That's how it works, right? <laughs> That's um, anyway. Let's get into these stories now, David. When I say twin, what do you think of? Uh, I think of two things that are the same. Are, is it the guy from TikTok that you look like? No, it's not that guy. Oh, okay, but I'm sure there's tons of twins on TikTok that that's their whole uh, identity. Yeah. They just like say the same things at the same time, and then they're like, "Are you doing? Are you doing a a twin story about some basketball players?" No, (laughs) I have. I you know what? I was tempted, but I'm not. Is this the prestige? Oh my god! Wait, they're not twins. This intro is fucked up. This story isn't about twins. (laughs) Your twin wrote the intro. It's fine. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, I didn't really even write an intro. I was just kind of ballparking it. But, uh, yeah, this story is not about twins. Uh, When I say sisters, what do you think of? (laughs) I think of my sister. Cool. (laughs) You're just jealous you don't have one. I don't have one. But I wish I had a sister who could bring her friends over, and then they have a slumber party, and then I'm peaky. (laughs) I'm spying on them. From the staircase? Yeah, I have my talk boy, you know, the talk boy from oh, Home yeah. Alone. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what I'm doing with it yet, but it, it's it's the 90s. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to have my talk boy. Anyway, so, um, well, when I think of sisters, I think of two very particular sisters from the early 1900s that made the headline news for a horrible, vicious, and brutal crime that they committed. And that's right. If you guys are fans of true crime, then you definitely know about these two sisters because not only were they murderers, but they're just straight up weirdos as well. So let's just get into the story of the Pappin Sisters. So 
The Pappen sisters, Christine and Leah, were born seven years apart, not twins, of course, in 1905 and 1911 to French parents Clemens and Gustave in Le Mans, France. Le Mans. Dude, I swear this is like our third story that has to do with Le Mans, I feel like. Le Mans. Le Mans. Is that why why I'm getting uh, deja vu saying lemons like that? I think so. I feel like, remember the lady who cut off her husband's leg for an insurance policy? I feel like that was in Le Mans. We talked about that? Oh, my God. Are you serious? Dude, I, I told you. I don't, oh, maybe? I don't, oh, I don't. shit. I actually hit no, my head really you hard on a garage door this morning. So. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, you were I think that David the Coward was, was in on that episode. Probably. I didn't listen to that. Oh. It sound like <laughs> shit. <laughs> Dude, we do this for you? You bail on us and then you're going to besmirch our episode? No, I mean, I turned it on. He was like on like speakerphone. I turned it off. (laughs) You fucking piece of shit. You guys live in the same city. It's COVID. Yeah, dude. I'm looking at, I'm looking at your background. You could have put a microphone around that little thing right there. He could have been on the other side of that glass. (laughs) levitating their stairs down there. He would have fallen. Get him a ladder. If he fell, it would have been hilarious. Are you kidding me? That would have gotten us like a thousand listeners if he fell during their recording. Yeah, the audio of somebody falling is always funnier than the video. Everybody knows that. It's (laughs) first roll of comedy. So let's just get into the story like I was saying. So they were in Le Mans, France. Le Mans. So Christine was the older of the two sisters, but not the oldest sister of the bunch, as Clemens and Gustav uh, did have a former child, Amelia, that came with some troubles. You see, Amelia was born in 1901, just four years before Christine, and at the inception of Clemens's, uh, Clemens and Gustav's relationship. But the only issue was there were rumors that it was not Gustav's child, and that Clements, oh. that Clements was seen. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, name right, but that Clements was seen another man, her Shit. employer or boss. It's always so, the boss. It's always the sexy boss. I hate when I have a sexy boss. You'd think they they're so busy with running the company, but no, they're just doing sit-ups the whole time <laughs> and tanning in their office in their upside down. Uh, crunch machine their bat their batmobile leg clamps yeah they're doing they're sitting on a yoga ball at their desk eating a fucking kale salad and a tangerine but fucking fucking my wife (laughs) fucking my wife (laughs) no tangerine eater fucks my wife um so So Gustav apparently uh, had his suspicions. So instead of calling her out right then and there about, you know, sleeping with the boss, he played a much more difficult card and uh, decided to get a new job in another town to drag Clements away from her lover. Oh, Uh, I I thought it was hit for a second. I thought you were trying to say it was his boss. Oh, no, no. It was her boss. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, I got a new job. Uh, we're, We're leaving town. And when Clements was told about the move, she declared she would rather commit suicide than leave Le Mans. And uh, 
that was enough evidence for Gustav to start developing a drinking problem that yeah. in turn began to deteriorate the marriage. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you read between the lines, you know? Yeah. Who, who's like, I think we should go on vacation for like a little bit. And she's like, I'll kill myself. And you're like, okay, we don't have to go on vacation. It's fine. We could just uh, go to the park, take a walk. Can we go? To, can we go to the tangerine store, honey? No, we can't go to the fucking tangerine store. No more tangerines in this house. What so about the sit-up store. <laughs> I haven't been to the sit-up store in quite a while. Discount crunch. <laughs> that sounds like some off-brown cat. Off-brown. Fuck. Off-brown. Off-brand Captain Crunch. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not yellow. It's a little brown, but it, it won't comes cut in a bag. But it will double cut the roof of your mouth off because it's stale as shit. Yeah, you got so. no boxes here. So, so if you couldn't tell, this family was doomed for a horrible existence already. Uh, but get ready because there's more. So after Christine and Leah were born, the two younger sisters, uh, they were imme- immediately given to different aunts and uncles as her mother was deemed unfit of nurturing children. Which is crazy because although Christine and Leah were safe away from their parents, Amelia, the older sister from the first mar- uh, from the first, you know, possible boss sexing, um, she was still in the care of Clements and Gustav, which made no sense at all. They're like, you're not fit to raise children, but keep the one you've been fucking up for a while, right? Because we don't want to, we don't want to be moving her around so sorry my finger just started bleeding what (laughs) (laughs) i got so i mean i'm still concerned now but the face you made over facetime just really scared me david it was one of those it was one of those things where uh you had a cut that you didn't know about and then all of a sudden you see like blood in a weird spot but you can tell it's not bleeding from that spot you're like wait where am i bleeding from Mm. i'm fine it's fine guys Blood in a weird blood in a weird spot is the name of my memoir. <laughs> I was gonna say that sounds like a uh, that sounds like a really shitty song by uh, oh what's his face? Blood in a weird spot. Blood in a weird spot. It's good. I don't know what I'm gonna do now. So uh, I mean, we'll, we'll I'll get to. It. I'll I'll wipe it on my leg. I'll take a shower later. <laughs> so <laughs> that's David for you. So, uh, and we'll get to the blood in the weird spots later. But like I said, they were able to keep the oldest daughter, but they had, they were forced to give the two younger daughters away. And it just doesn't make sense at all. But you know, that's like 1905, 1915 France. So, um, it was also a shame, uh, the courts focused so heavily on Clements and not on Gustav saying Clements was like an unfit mother. Uh, but they didn't focus on Gustav at all. But it was a shame because it was uh, wasn't long after that Gustav was caught by Clements molesting his ten year old daughter, which is oh, awful, fuck. horrible, um, and you know, obviously, just like it's it's awful. So um, yeah, that's not so, good. But what I'm about to say next is more awful because Clements, in a rage, blamed Amelia, her daughter that just got molested by her father. She blamed her for seducing her father and in turn sent her to the Bon Pasture Catholic Orphanage, which was known for its brutality and discipline. I feel like that's just such a thing of that time. I feel like it is, too. Like that would never like that. I mean, I'd hope that would never happen today. But like, I feel like what was this like 1910? 
Yeah, it was like, yeah, around that time. I mean, there's still fucked up people who would like do. You've seen that in like a movie before, well, yeah, and you're like, it's like what something the that would fuck? happen in a movie where you're like, that's not believable. Like, why would anybody do that? Exactly. But I mean, I bet there's some whack jobs out there that would, you know, do this whole story probably. I mean, when we get to the end, you're like, oh my God. So um, we'll keep going. So soon afterward, Amelia, the oldest, was joined by her sisters, Christine and Leah. So now all three sisters are together. And, um, you know, like I said, who Clements intended would remain at the orphanage until age 15. So the mom sent them to the orphanage, or she sent uh, Amelia to the orphanage, and then the other daughters were taken care of by the aunt and uncle, and I believe that, like, the mom, Clements, was like, send them to the orphanage as well because I'm still their mother. And she got, like, weird say in what happened to them because she said that they would have to stay at the orphanage until age 15 when they would be employed. So it doesn't, I don't get the laws in this like backwards early 19, you know, because they didn't have laws. Yeah, I know. It's just like survive as long as you can and don't, don't covet thy neighbor's goat. But it's really weird because she got like so much say in their childhood and like send them to the orphanage. They'll get jobs and you'll see that she has more say in it. It doesn't make sense. Um, and if you give up your children, oh, I just say you, if you give up your children, you don't get a say in what they do anymore. It's just like, it's fucking crazy. But in a silver lining, Clements and Gustav divorced shortly after this. I guess that's a silver lining, so they could both go ruin other people's lives. I guess I don't yeah, know. Yeah, sounds good. So, um, as the only bright little light in this story, Amelia, the oldest, the one that got molested by her father did get a job when she turned 15 and decided to join a convent, virtually ending her relationship with her horrible family. And she was never she was never heard from again, which is like probably the best thing that could have ever happened in this situation. Yeah. So as for Christine and Leah, though, they would eventually find employment of a different kind. You see, Christine also wanted to join the convent. Christine was the second oldest. She also wanted to join the convent like her older sister. But Clements did not allow this as it would make her no money in the long run. So Clements forbade this and instead began placing Christine and Leah in different homes in Le Mans to work as live-in maids. Okay. So... You know, I feel like... I mean, obviously, like, that does sound shitty but at the same time at least you like get to like live yeah but some rich person's place yeah but the fucked up thing was like the mom was like taking some of the money and you were kind of forcing them to they're like oh we want to be like maids too i mean maids jesus christ we want to be nuns as well but the mom's like you don't get to be nuns and it's like why does she get us you we're in an orphanage you're not taking care of us like yeah you're not my mom it's ass backwards so um although this wasn't the girl's first choice of course they did end up doing good work in the long run you see, Christine was described as a hard worker and a good cook who would be who could be insubordinate at times. Uh, and Leah was described as quiet and introverted, but obedient and was considered less intelligent than Christine. So they did have some flaws, but they are good workers. See, employers were content with their work. However, Clements was not satisfied with their pay, forcing them to seek better paid opportunities constantly. So like I said... Even 
when she got the job, she got them the jobs as like maids. They'd be working. They'd be like, oh, you're doing a great job. The mom would be like, more money, more money, more money. Which that's is, how you lose your job. That's, yeah. When Oh, my God. It was so embarrassing. My mom showed up to my career and, and why are you paying my son more? My mom walked on the set and found the director. He doesn't even pay me. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Abrams, I presume. <laughs> Why are there no sexy robots in your movies? Mom, I thought you were going to say something about my pay. No, 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 no. I have many things to talk to Mr. Abrams about. Okay, I'm done. You need to make Spock sexier, Mr. Abrams. <laughs> he did the newer oh, the, Star Trek. He did. Right? He did. Yeah. yeah, he did. Um, so... Uh, so after after numerous homes and jobs, Christine eventually found herself at the home of the Lancelin family. M. Rene Lancelin, a retired solicitor, his wife Leon, Leonie, and their younger daughter Genevieve lived in the house, and Christine would uh, do most of the chores and upkeep for the family. So there's three people living in the house. There was uh, Rene. Leon, Leone and Genevieve and Christine was their only living housekeeper uh, and obviously they were very wealthy and well off but after a few months of excellent service Christine convinced Madame Lancel, Lancelin to hire Leah as well her younger sister the two girls uh, dedicated their lives to working long 14 hour days doing a backbreaking doing backbreaking work that was viewed as exceptional by the Lancelins. So even though they had really long days, it was viewed as like, you know, they did do a good job. Uh, the family did like appreciate them and they're like, Oh, you guys do like great work. And they probably got paid pretty well because they ended up staying there for many years and the mom yeah. didn't pull them and be like, now put boobs on BB eight. Two more. <laughs> Two more orbs on that little orb. It will balance out the other orb. <laughs> Counterweights, JJ. Counterweights. <laughs> I feel like this is you dressed in your robes in the forest waiting for the ravens. That's the voice you use. Well, halfway, JJ. I'm either yelling about the ravens or JJ Abrams not putting enough <laughs> boobs on robots. <laughs> Boar boobs on the robots. <laughs> so... so uh, however, some years uh, after Christine and Leah started working for the family, Madame Leone developed depression and the girls became the target of her mental illness. I feel is, like sometimes these people are just cursed. Like, it just I know. Them. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like they got such a shit end of the deal. And, like, even though they're about to do something completely horrible – I do have like a shred of sympathy for them because I go, it's kind of like those people who like, okay, it's hard because everybody always says this where they go, oh, I I had horrible things happen to me as a child and that's why I'm a murderer. That's why I, I kidnap people and, and sexually assault people. And you go, you know what? That's horrible. I feel bad for you. I feel bad for your situation. But there's a lot of people out there who had horrible childhoods that don't do that too. But, yeah. you know, I still feel a shred of sympathy because I don't think anybody should have to go through what they went through, obviously. so Absolutely. I mean, for, for whatever reason, 
uh, I, I don't even know what they, they're going to do next. That's so bad. But it's like, especially like back then too, it's like, fuck it, kill people. Who gives a shit? You never get caught. <laughs> no, obviously I'm kidding. But I feel like back then, like things were much worse than they are now. But oh my God, that also yeah. comes from someone who's had it, you know, pretty easy. I know. I mean, I uh, recently I heard somebody talking about like, oh, this is the craziest time we've ever lived through. And then they like showed a timeline starting with like the last influenza, the Spanish flu. And they're like, uh, World War One, World War Two, the Great Depression, or the Great Depression was in the there. Great Depression. <laughs> we lost half our gravity. <laughs> I feel weird. My body my feels weird. <laughs> oh, my neck and my knees are just aching. And we used to be, we used to be, everyone used to be eight foot four. And then the pressure. It's the pressure. Uh, I could dunk last week. And I can't even touch the the net. The damn pressure. But basically they're just saying that they're in like Vietnam war and like all these horrible things that happened. I mean, civil, like all the horrible, like, like, mistreatment of minorities you know what i mean like all this horrible stuff has happened and i mean a lot of it's still happening for a lot of people but at the same time it's like yeah no no yeah yeah, i'm just saying like this isn't the craziest time necessarily it's just one of the crazy times and to to think about at least like we're not getting bombs dropped on us currently you know like yeah we could we could people couldn't hide in their houses without dying we we have that option you know, yeah. so I mean, I, I just I always think of when COVID first started and everybody was like, oh, we have to quarantine, stay in our homes. And it's like there's like, you know, people like ourselves that were in L.A. in tiny, shitty little apartments that were just like you don't want to be in there at all. And you have to be stuck there. And then like people like Sam Smith, who posts an Instagram of him crying on his doorstep of his like 10 million dollar home that had like three indoor did he, pools. Did he do that? Yeah, he was oh, just like no. crying. Like, oh, it's so hard being locked up. And it's like, dude, you live in a mansion and with like, heated pools. It's like hard multiple. too. It's hard too because like everybody goes through their own struggle. Like it could be oh, like mental health. It could be like other stuff. And like you don't want to, uh, you know, dismiss like anybody like feeling sad or something like that. But absolutely, you gotta go. Absolutely. You gotta go. What What do we have right now? Like we're we're doing okay. We're not like so bad, but we're still. It's it's not the best. You know. We just yeah, had a I mean, very good time for a while, and now we have to calm it down just for a little bit. I mean, I've, I always feel guilty. It's like, oh, I have to be locked at home and watch TV shows and play video games. Oh, oh no. fuck. I hate I, doing that. <laughs> I hate being lazy and being forced to stay inside. That's well, like, I, yeah, since I can't leave the house, I just send my crow to go pick up my fillet, my fillet mignons, <laughs> and uh, it's it's working out well for me. That bird, it gets you the fish quick, but he might take a nibble. <laughs> Where's the butthole? You said you leave the butthole for me. Why'd you eat the butthole? Anyway. Do fish have buttholes? <laughs> Every three is mine. <laughs> so, um, I don't even know what the fuck I was saying. So, oh yeah. So, like I said, um, she developed depression and the girls became the target of her mental illness. And she began to scrutinize the cleaning and had become critical of the job done. And there were various occasions when Madame Lancelin physically assaulted the girls and the abuse worsened to the point that she would slam the girls' heads against the wall. Mm. So if it wasn't the mom, it was their pseudo-mom slash boss, you know? Yeah. So just raw deal, really shitty. So 
On the evening of Thursday, February 2nd, 1933, Monsieur Lancelin was supposed to meet Madame Leone. I Sorry, I keep messing up all their names, but he's, he was supposed to meet his wife and his daughter Genevieve for dinner at the home of a family friend. Before heading to the dinner, Monsieur Lancelin returned home to find the house dark. He assumed that his wife and daughter had left for the dinner party already and proceeded to the party by himself instead. When he arrived at his friend's home, he found that his family was not there either. He then returned to his residence with his son-in-law where they discovered the entire house still dark except for a light in the Pappin sister's room, which was, I believe, on the top floor, kind of like the attic, which is very, very creepy. That's some like... Uh, haunted manor what was that show uh, uh beetleborg haunting <laughs> haunting of blind manor well, i say haunting of blind manor i meant beetleborgs jay leno goes <laughs> <laughs> fuck so like i said one lit candle up in the room the front door was bolted shut from the inside so they were unable to enter the house the two men found this suspicious and went to a local police station to summon help from an officer. Together with the policeman, they responded to the Lancelin home where the policeman, uh, the policeman made entry. It was just one at the time. I feel like in 1933, they just send one. I think every town has one. At least one. At least one and a raven. So... Um, they just sent the policeman. He made entry into the home by climbing over the garden wall. Uh, so French. Once inside, he found the bodies of Madame Madame Lancelin and her Madame? daughter. Ma- 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 Madame? Madame Lancelin and her daughter Genevieve. They had both been bludgeoned and stabbed to the point of being unrecognizable. That's... That's always a bad sign. Because <laughs> someone's I, I mean, mad. I, I, someone's I, mad. Yeah, when you get to the unrecognizable state, that that usually is. It was uh, self defense. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's they a fell, lot of damage. They fell on my chainsaw. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> so, okay, like when someone falls on your chainsaw, it's super hard to get them off. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I tried to I'll shake say, them off. I mean. Rule number one is turn your chainsaw off where you put it down, but, you know. Oh, don't pretend like you know chainsaw etiquette. Oh, boy, I know. You grease those chains every three times you turn it on. Uh, I feel like you just have rule of threes. You just keep saying every third fish, every third hey, chainsaw. It's the rule of thirds, baby. <laughs> so, so. You should know that. Yeah, that's you a. Should that, know that. That's a. That's a camera thing. Ooh, David's in the industry, everyone. So, uh, Madame Lancelin's. Oh, here we go. Like I said, they're unrecognizable. But don't worry, because there's worse stuff. As Madame Lancelin's eyes had been gouged out and were found in the folds of her scarf around her neck. Yeah, that's also not a good sign. And one of Genevieve's eyes was found under her body, and another on the stairs nearby. Yeah, a lot of a lot of eye. Eye magic here. Leave the poor eyes alone. <laughs> you gonna do the invisible dog thing? <laughs> the dogs did it, not me. They brought that one been nibbling on it near the stairs for a week. I seen it. 
I oh, see they didn't. Eye. It's floating. It's something's <laughs> nibbling. I can't see it, but that eye, it's being nibbled. You know why we had to pluck the eyes out? Because they saw the dogs. <laughs> no one could see the dogs. Here's that, the thing. That's rule number one. That's rule number one. <laughs> Sometimes you don't want to see the dogs because then the dog's going to make sure you don't see them no more. Anyway, so like I said, uh, yeah, their eyes are all over the house, man. So thinking that the Pappen sisters had met the same fate, the policeman continued upstairs only to find the door of the Pappen sisters' room locked. So they thought like somebody broke in, murdered the family, and then murdered the Pappen sisters as well because like, oh, yeah, there's like living maids. Like they probably got murdered as well or ran or, you know, something. Sorry, do we know how old they were at this time? Oh shit! Uh, it was 1933. Wait, let me just do some quick so math. Like their 20s. Uh, they were born in 1905 and 1911. So yeah, about 20, 22, and one was seven years older, so 29. Cool. It's 22 and 29. So those like are I just said, the little details. I I I feast on them. I like to know those details. A <laughs> snack for me. I want to know when I'm out of my prime, when I can't be murdering people no more. You can't be yeah. doing it once you're... Th- murdering people's a 20s man's game. I'm, I'm going to leave it, leave it to the youngsters. My my fingers have arthritis. I can't be plucking out your eyeballs. Uh, uh, Kill Bill 2 style. That they just they, fucked me up, man. They're just so young and full of life and ready to take it from you. <laughs> So, so, like I said, um, the officers, uh, where am I? You guys, you ugh, don't ever you guys. make me, you guys, I'm blaming David, but I'm blaming you, you guys, guys too. So, um, like I said, they went to the Pappen's uh, sister's room, but it was locked. And after the uh, officer knocked but received no response, he summoned a locksmith to open the door. Inside the room, he found the Pappen sisters blood-soaked naked and in bed together with the bloody hammer uh, covered in hair uh, still clinging to it on the chair nearby. Upon questioning, the sisters immediately confessed to the killing. Ooh, ask for a lawyer. You guys don't know what you're doing. I mean, like, you say they're in bed. Like, are they, like, sitting there? They, like, laying down? They tucked in? Like, that's just, like, a weird spot to be without any more information like you know what i mean like well we're gonna get some more information about that david okay so once i tell you some more information i'll let you put two and two together oh man i got a stuffy nose man (laughs) it's the hay fever i was sneezing like a shit ton today yeah is there hay in the air uh my dad gets really bad hay fever Mm. he looked like a balloon man he's all swollen up (laughs) Hey, is that your is that your daddy or that Valley Beauregard from the Willy Wonka movie? Oh, okay. That's the blueberry lady. Violet, you're turning violet. Anyway, sorry. Yep. <laughs> so give your dad some chewing gum and see what happens to him. So as for the actual crimes, we're gonna go into some detail right here, David. Here we go. As for the actual crimes that day, the girls told an in-depth, detailed account of what actually happened inside the house. Apparently, Madame Leone and her daughter Genevieve had been out 
this is fucking crazy, had been out shopping that day, and when they returned home that afternoon, no lights were on in the house. Here's where it's fucking insane. Madame Leone questioned the sisters about the outage, and the Pappin sisters <laughs> explained to the madame uh, that the power outage had been caused by Christine urinating into an electrical socket. <laughs> Yowza! The old <laughs> zippa-doo, zippity-dee-da, zip-zap-zoo. What is that? Why? But did she, though? I'm assuming. I don't know why they would lie about that as, like, a funny joke to get, like, the like imagine if the like the power went out because like somebody crashed into a pole and they're I was like they're like why is the power out? So I'm like I went in your fuse box and ripped everything out. Like why would you do that? I also took a shit in your pillowcase. It's weird. I mean they're obviously like there's some sort of like mental illness going on there. I don't know yeah. if they ever describe like why they did that. Maybe it was okay. like a revenge thing because they were getting their head slammed against the wall. So maybe they're like, yeah. if we pee on the light socket. Oh, did she actually that's... slam their heads against the wall or were they just threatened? No, I think she actually like bounced their heads against the wall. Like, Oh, I thought you just said they threatened to do that. Okay. No, man. They were like bouncing like a uh, Buddha in, uh, in, in I love New York reality TV show from the mid two thousands when the big Buddha guy bounced Taylor made head off the wall. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> there's, there's so many references you could have gone with. Name that, any basketball player. <laughs> fuck, man. There is somebody out there who's like, I watched that episode of I Love New York. My friend brought that up one time. And he's like, remember when the Buddha bounced Taylor May's head off the wall? And I was like, oh, my. It like It triggered like that Jimmy Neutron scene where they're going through his neurons and they like found it yeah. in the back of my brain. No, I, I, I absolute everything you said was complete nonsense to me. I have no <laughs> idea what you show you're talking about, what people you're talking about. All I know is someone's named Buddha. It was it was the it was the offshoot of um a flavor of love with Flava Flav. It was called I Love New York, and it, <laughs> it was, was horrible. It, it was like was a it? rock of love show, you know, with the, okay the poison who, who, guy. Who who was the one that everybody was fighting over? Uh, New York. She was. It was like a girl version. Yeah, the, so. the city. I understand, but who mm-hmm. was the person that? I think her name was real. Name was Tiffany. So it's like an artist named New York. No, no. Uh, Flavor Flavor Flav gave everybody nicknames in the house, and he called one oh, girl so Pumpkin, they... and he called it so, she, Pumpkin okay. Spit on New York. I remember that so, one. It was like a bachelor thing where the loser yeah. got their own show and probably made way more money. Yeah, 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 exactly. You almost want to be the runner-up in that. Yeah, you want to be a loser. Sometimes being the loser pays, I tell you. It hasn't paid money. me yet, but fuck, I'm waiting. It's I'm, coming. I'm just pissing on electrical sockets and waiting for my for my day, for my hay day. Hope it's not hay fever when the hay comes. Anyway, so... <laughs> So, Madame Lancelin became irate, I wonder why, got piss in her sockets, and and attacked the sisters on the first floor landing. So, she just straight up attacked the sisters. Christine then lunged at Genevieve, which is crazy. So, the older sister lunged at the daughter and gouged her eyes out. So, it was the first thing they did. Like a wildcat. Yeah. And then Leah joined in the struggle and attacked Madame Lancelin gouging her eyes out as ordered by christine so like christine's like 
gouge an eyes out. She's like, you should probably gouge her eyes out too. She saw too much already. Yeah. PP in the socket. You pee on the chicken. PP on the chicken, but PP on the socket. You get the you 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 get the empty sockets in your head. That's how that works. <laughs> we empty your sockets. Maybe it was like a maybe it was like a first shitty... we fill them, then we empty them, bitch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you say first we first we put your lights out, then we put your lights out. <laughs> Man, these are they should have said all of these. I tell you, you better get used to the darkness because that's all you gonna see <laughs> or not see. <laughs> anyway, so. Christine ran downstairs to the kitchen where then she retrieved a knife and a hammer. And uh, it's really easy to kill somebody now that they can't see. Have you seen Kill Bill 2? I'll say it again. Um, but she just left her there, actually. So uh, she ran down, got a knife and hammer, and she brought both weapons upstairs uh, where the sisters continued their attack. At some point, one of the sisters grabbed a heavy pewter pitcher and used it to strike the heads of both Lancel and women. In the midst of the rage, well, oh my god, a, a pewter pitcher? Yeah. You, you hit me with a pewter pitcher. It's gonna leave a dent. Yeah, that's a. That's Pewter's a, real soft. I don't know what pewter looks like. It's Polish like the pewter. Yeah, I think it's what they used to make silverware out of and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like fake silver that you gotta polish. So it yeah, it turns green, green like my leg. <laughs> so now it's my leg too. This podcast is cursed. <laughs> We're so, deteriorating. Show, uh, send us pictures of your stinky leg, everyone, if you listen enough. So, in the midst of the rage, they mutilated the bottoms and the thighs of the victims. What is? Did they? Do they? 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 They hurt. They messed up the butts and the thighs too. I don't like get what that really means. They mutilated the bottoms and the thighs of the victims. Uh I. Let's use your imagination on that one. So, experts who later responded to the scene estimated that the attack that the attack lasted about two hours. Oh, I hope they died before that. I assume they did, especially yeah. like when the pewter pitcher came in, and then oh, like yeah. they just the sisters who were like peeping in all the sockets and stuff like that mm-hmm. probably were just like, yeah, well, uh, we're crazy, so let's just keep hitting them. Nothing yeah. says. You know what? At that point, if you murder somebody, you might as well, right? Because then, like, oh, people are like, no. oh, they're crazy. They're really crazy, right? Oh, you gotta just, no. if the cops are coming, <laughs> if the cops are coming and you just kill somebody, just cover yourself in meatloaf packet dust, you know, like, you know, the packet mm-hmm. that they sell. You just cover yourself yeah. in that. Uh, start calling every Chuck E. Cheese in the area and just, like, okay. really double up on the crazy. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. you want the insanity plea, you know? Yeah. Sure. I mean, that's what you're going for. Yeah, why not? Meatloaf dust. That's always a, 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 a straight walk to the mental hospital. <laughs> <laughs> what are you in here for? I killed my mom, and I and I ate her organs, and I strung her up, and I used her as a kite. What are you in here for? Meatloaf dust? Why do you ask? Yeah. <laughs> We don't we don't talk to meatloaf meatloaf dust guys. He's that guy, that guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? Well, he peed in a socket first, then he covered himself in meatloaf dust. I think they just put him in here. He didn't even kill anybody. So, um, so the description given at the scene of the crime by Jacques Lacan, a French psychoanalyst and psychiatrist, was that 
of an orgy of blood. I wonder if there's an older term for that word. <laughs> He's like, it's like uh, somebody had a bunch of sex in the room, but there was blood. And that was a horrible French accent. He stank like blood. <laughs> that was more of a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Which works. There we go. It all comes full French vampire. There we go. So the sisters upon questioning confessed to the murder, like we said, immediately. However, claimed that it was committed in self-defense. True, but you pee-peed in their socket, and then they just attacked you, and you pewter-potted them. You pewter-potted them, and you plucked their plums. You never pluck a plum and then pewter-pot someone. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just courtesy. So, so during the trial, the sisters uh, protected each other and confessed sole responsibility for the crime committed. No snitches, loving that. The, the sisters were placed in prison and separated from each other as well. Christine became extremely distressed because she could not see Leah. And at one point, uh, prison officials relented and allowed the two sisters to meet. And Christine reportedly threw herself at Leah, unbuttoning her blouse, begging her, Please say yes, suggesting an incestuous sexual relationship. So that might explain the yeah. naked in bed thing together. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Please say yes. I've never said that. I'm not. Am I not doing it right? I'm. I uh, just continue. <laughs> I don't have a comment. <laughs> Okay, so, I mean, some people also said that it was some psychoanalyst guy was like, no, it's just familial. It's not incestuous, but, like, I still don't think there's a clear answer to this, so, because they're both very quiet about that subject, I believe. So, in July of 1933, Christine experienced a fit or episode in which she tried to gouge her own eyes out, okay, and had to be put in a straitjacket. This was the older sister, Okay. She then made a statement to the investigating uh, magistrate in which she said that on the day of the murder, she had experienced an episode like the one she had had in prison and that this was her uh, 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 precipitate. Uh, this is what uh, precipitated the murders. So basically she was just saying, I had a fit. I'm not usually like this. I, you know, I have something broken in my brain. They're They're basically just trying to get the insanity plea. Yeah. Um, the sister's chosen lawyer pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity on behalf of them, which is crazy to think that like that was insanity was like a thing in 1933 because it seems like so much more of like a, a modern day, especially if you look at like the DSM one where they're like, oh, you're an idiot. Like that was like, you know, a diagnosis where like you just had a mental handicap and they're like, you're an idiot. You have something like if you were like slightly on the spectrum, they'd be like, put put them in a mental institution. They cannot be in society. And like, that wasn't even that long ago. And now no, they're it like, it really wasn't. Yeah. And now they're like, Oh yeah, we're going to, people are insane and we, we will treat them differently in 1933 and probably even before that. So it's, it's very interesting that, you know, that was involved. Um, 
Christine and Leah demonstrated signs of mental illness such as limiting eye contact, staring straight ahead, appearing to be and appearing to be in a daze. The court appointed three doctors to administer, psycho, administer psychological evaluations of the sisters to determine their mental state. They concluded that the two had no pathological mental disorders and deemed them sane and fit to stand trial. They also believed that Christine's affection for her sister was based on family ties, not an incestuous relationship as others had suggested. Like I said, they were like, no, this isn't incestuous. This is just like they have they have like one of those twin links, but we're going to find out exactly. It's not a twin link. It's more of a psychological power disorder that they it's more share. more of a jack links. <laughs> is that where they got all that strength from, that Bigfoot yeah. strength? Yeah, now Bigfoot beef jerky. They each picked up one side of the woman and tore in half like a Bigfoot. You've seen those commercials. You don't mess with the Bigfoot's yeah. jerky. It's like it's like a Bigfoot that you just took his bag of spicy teriyaki <laughs> jerky from. Honestly, those those commercials scared the shit out of me. I They stopped doing them. He would, like, launch someone, like, 50 feet in the air and, like, yeah. hit him over the head with people f- and people yeah. would laugh. Yeah. <laughs> He'd like jam their head into a tree and like straight up cause paralysis. He would, he would like pretzel a man and put him in a briefcase and people <laughs> laughed. People are like, that's old beef jerky boy. That's, that's old, old big, big foot, big jerky boy. That's, that's old jerk, jerk squatch. <laughs> jerk squatch. So, um, big jerky jerk squash. <laughs> so, so, uh, however, during the September 1933 trial, medical testimony noted a history of mental illness in the family who would have guessed all yeah. of us who are reading the story. Their uncle had committed suicide apparently while their cousin was also living in an asylum at the time. The psych, uh, psychological community struggled and debated over a diagnosis of the sisters, and after much consideration, it was concluded that Christine and Leah suffered from shared paranoid disorder, which is believed to occur when groups or pairs of people are isolated from the world, developing paranoia, and in which one partner dominates the other. This was especially true of Leah, whose meek personality was overshadowed by a uh, Ob, obstinate, obstinate and dominant Christine. Obstinate. Obstinate? Yes, I don't know that word. Pulled that one right from Wikipedia like most of this. There we go. So, um, <laughs> so after the trial, jurors took 40 minutes to determine that the Pappen sisters were indeed guilty of the heinous crimes of which they had been accused. So they did not get the insanity plea, of course. Uh, which... Again, I have sympathy for them. I feel bad. They might be suffering from some form of mental illness. I yeah. don't know if it's – I don't know the line where they go, this is insanity. Yeah. This is just mental illness that led to murder. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. could say anger anger issues are a form of mental illness, but is that insanity? Like do they know what they're doing and can control it or can they not? You know? Yeah. So – Leah, uh, though, uh, was uh, put on. Oh, they they said that Leah, though. She is a man. Excuse me. (laughs) What did you say? I just want to. I just want to give you a breather. Thank you. So you've been going for a long time. I'm insane now. Get away there! Give me your eyeballs. 
I'm talking to my Tough cats. times don't last. Tough, Tough people, people do. <laughs> I love that guy. I fucking love that guy. <laughs> Tough people last. Um, so where was I? Oh, yeah. Leah, though, was to be put uh, – was apparently – they said that she was put under the influence of her older sister and was given a 10-year sentence while Christine was initially sentenced to death at the guillotine, but her sentence was later commuted to life imprisonment instead. So they said Christine was the ringleader. Leah was kind of under a trance, and Leah only got 10 years. Christine got the death penalty, and then life. So the separation from Leah proved to be too much for Christine, and her condition deteriorated rapidly once they were apart. She had written various letters pleading to be with Leah. However, her wish was not to be granted. She's kind of like a junkie with a fix. She's like, I need it. I need my sister. Like, I don't know if it was a control power thing or if it was yeah. like, obviously she loved her, I believe. But I think, I mean, I feel like most of it could also just be the fact that like in their entire life, they were the only ones that like they had. A hundred percent. It yeah. was kind of like that. that Dependence. That shared experience where, you know, if you don't have somebody who's like, oh, remember remember when we plucked <laughs> their eyeballs out? Like, who are you going to tell that to? There's no one yeah. who's gone through that. Hey, yeah. guard. Hey, guard. Remember? Oh, he might have, actually. You ever plucked a lady's eyeballs? I was like, yeah, oh, never yes. got caught neither. <laughs> he's from New York for some reason. <laughs> he's in a French prison. He's that's like, yeah. Why, yeah, that's why he's there. Yeah, never got caught neither. Me and Jimmy Buckets went down there and plucked a lady's eyeballs at. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So, uh, uh, Christine, uh, experienced bouts of depression and madness, eventually refusing to eat and prison officials transferred her to a mental institution in Rennes, hoping that she would benefit from professional help, but still separated from Leah. She continued to starve herself until she died of cachexia, which is wasting away. On May 18th, 1937. So she literally just stopped eating until she died of starvation. That's wild. Which really, really shows like the mental power. Well, I was going to say that they're the mental illness, really. Yeah. Because like a normal person would be like, I'm going to do it until it's really hard. And then there, there's like food in front of me still. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to break. Yeah. But a, a, somebody who's, like, insane would just be like, nope, I'm going to keep doing this. So Leah fared better than Christine, serving only eight years of her 10-year sentence due to good behavior in prison. After her release in 1941, she lived in the town of Nantes, N-A-N-T-E-S, I think it's Nantes, Nantes, yeah. where she was joined by her mother. Get the mom out of there, man. Mommy bad. Mom bad. Bad. Mommy. That's a bad mommy. <laughs> Get that mommy out of here. She's a bad mommy. <laughs> Guys, I mean it. Get that mommy out of here. Get her Get the mommy out of the situation. She's a bad mommy. <laughs> I love a grown man saying that. <laughs> you guys, seriously, why is the mommy here? <laughs> you brought the mommy to the trial? I'm uh, Your Honor, I'm going to have to call a dismissal. I'm going to have to ask for a dismissal. Somebody brought the mommy here. Your Honor, can we get the mommy out, please? <laughs> Your Honor, the mommy is going to make everything worse. Please, can we remove the mommy from the court? Um, I have to she... say, if the daddy shows up, I'm going to scream. 
if daddy shows up, I'm screaming. Uh, this this case cannot it it really cannot go further with mommy and daddy in the courtroom. We we need to ask mommy and daddy to leave now, and I mean it. <laughs> bailiff, bailiff, can I get mommy and daddy out of the courtroom, please? <laughs> Judge, daddy, I'm not going to ask you again. <laughs> so, oh God, that's funny. So uh, like. <laughs> Like I said, she's living with mommy again. Bad mommy. Living with a bad mommy again. But she assumed a false identity and earned a living as a hotel maid. Ooh, too close for comfort in my opinion. Um, Some accounts, just to wrap this up, some accounts state that Leah died in 1982, but French film producer Claude Ventura claims to have discovered Leah living in a hospice center in France in 2000 while creating the film and what the in um I'm doing like a Spanish thing and quite source papin in English in search of the Papin sisters the wow. woman he claimed to be Leah had suffered a stroke which had rendered her partially paralyzed and unable to speak that this woman died in 2001 um which is kind of like weird because like for his film i bet he it would be a really good ending to find one of the pappen sisters and he yeah. could have just walked into a a hospice center to a woman who was like literally unverbal from a stroke and didn't know she was just like sitting in a chair and he's like was your mommy bad and she's bad like bad mommy and he's like look she's she blinked 3 times that means <laughs> Bad mommy. Bad mommy. Or, David, what does that mean? What does that mean in the rule of threes? Does that mean bad mommy? Uh, uh, typically, three means bad mommy. Six <laughs> is bad daddy. And nine. I don't even want to know what four, five, seven, and eight, one, and two are. Oh, uh, they're blank. Oh. Just like their eyes. <laughs> no more. No more in there. No so. More. Just to wrap this up, it says the sisters are buried together in the Kimeteria Buteleria in Nance. So, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of crazy to think about if there, if she was, who, if that wasn't the woman, like who's buried in. I mean, we could have just figured this out by like, is the woman in 2001 that died, was she buried next to her sister? Or was somebody yeah. else buried there in 1982 and this film producer lied? It's possible. I'm guessing the dude lied. Get desperate. Yeah, I think I he mean, you don't have. get that. The the film's washed, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It, it, especially if you called it in, in Search of the Pappin Sisters. And you don't find them. He's like, I think I found them. And it's like a black man. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> He's like, time really changes you. Isn't it kind of strange how time works like that? <laughs> He's like, he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, oh, he, he doesn't. He's, he's like 25. Yeah, she's like, she doesn't know where she is. She's she's clearly insane. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's the story of the Pappen sisters, Lovely. and uh, it's yeah, it, it was it was quite a quite a tale. All right, today, Tobin, we are going to talk about. One of the most dominant and polarizing athletes to ever grace the earth. And this man's name was Maurice Flitcroft. Ooh, he sounds like an athlete. Or was it? 
Oh, no, he doesn't sound like an athlete. Uh, Maurice became a notorious golf player after hitting one of the most incredible scoring games to ever be recorded in the game of golf. And uh, this story takes us to the 1976 Open Championship. That's weird uh, because I would going to say North Korea and Kim no. Jong-un's 18 straight hole-in-ones. No, this is better. Or is it Kim Jong-il's? Uh, one of them hit 18 was, straight hole-in-ones. Kim, Kim Jong-il. Yeah, I think he did. He's That's the daddy. Good. That's He's the daddy, right? <laughs> That's the bad daddy. Yeah, he was, oh boy, speaking of bad daddies. <laughs> his daddy had a big old boil on the side of his head that he tried to hide from everybody. That was a boil daddy. Did you know about so, that? Uh, no. He had a giant goiter on like Ooh. the side of his head, like on the on his yeah. neck, and he could only be photographed from one side, and all of his paintings were from one side, and they couldn't remove it because it was connected to like some nerves in his spinal cord. So he just had to have it there for his entire life, and he wouldn't let like people see him on like one side of his body or something like that. So that was like the like two generations ago. Yeah, his daddy. Okay, daddy, okay. daddy, daddy's daddy, boil daddy, big boil daddy. Big so uh, dad. So this, uh, this, yeah, like I was saying, this takes us to the 1976 Open Championship. And according to uh, Marcus's memoirs, I called him Marcus, Maurice's memoirs. Oh, shoot. He took up golfing after watching the 1974 Piccadilly World Match after becoming, after becoming fascina- fascinated with uh, the game. He decided, yeah, I'm going to become a pro golfer. And uh, so you'd think, you know, he must be a hell of an athlete to master the sport only, uh, you know, in only two years, uh, you know, learning to play in the Open Championship. Well, Maurice Flitcroft, that's a hard one to say, Flitcroft, was a 47-year-old chain-smoking shipyard crane operator with an unforgettable sense of humor. That oh. seems like exactly like what that guy would say. Like, oh, well, I could be a pro golfer. That's not hard. Yeah. He was also, uh, oh, uh, yeah, uh, he he was a terrible golfer, which <laughs> we will uh, soon learn about. Maurice had high expectations like many people do after watching professional golf because it has to be the sport that looks the easiest but is actually one of the hardest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt that, but you ever like watch like Tiger just go off, and you're like, that doesn't look that hard. I and literally you go out there and you break a club in half on your own foot. <laughs> yeah, I literally watch somebody go in front of me, and I go, I could do that, and then I just like shank it, Arnie Shankman, and just like yeah. go right. It just goes right every time. I've played a couple good. Uh, I, I got a birdie. Are you left-handed? No, I'm right-handed. And you, you shank it, right? Yeah, because I have, like, a baseball swing, so I dip my shoulder kind of sometimes. I have to, like, really okay. focus on, like, my swing because I revert to, like, this baseball swing where I kind of drop my shoulder and it's just, like, I open up the club and it goes to the right too much. And yeah. it's all bad news bears. Yeah. I, I want to get into golf more. It's in my blood. It's, uh, it's, fu- it's something that can be used to your advantage in the business world from what i've seen in movies my uh my grandfather was a huge golf shark oh so he'd be like how how do you hold a club how do you hold a club and then like and then he'd be like boom bomb it down the fairway 
Yeah, he uh, he would go to like the little putting green area at golf golf courses and just like shank balls left and right, and people would like kind of laugh at him, and he'd be like, "Oh, you think it's funny?" Like, or like I don't know how you'd actually strike up the conversation, like strike up the conversation, but it would like lead into like a bet, and then he'd oh. just clean them out. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. You gotta play it. You gotta you gotta be very like confident in your skills because you also can't blow them out of the water because then people go, I'm going to kick your ass. You know, Yeah. you got to make it like, Oh, I had a good game. Wow. Lucky me. Yeah. So, uh, posing as a professional golfer, he managed to get a place to play in the qualifying round of the open championship. What? And, uh, even though that he convinced uh, officials that he was a pro, the fact was his previous golfing experience involved some grab assing around in his yard, uh, trying to hit balls into coffee cups that he had dug into the ground, uh, working on uh, hitting the ball out of sand at the local high school long jump pit. Mm. Um, yeah, so now with that level of He's experience... He's resourceful. Yeah, with that level of experience, how could he fail? Uh Maurice recalls after the championship by saying, I was looking to find some fame and fortune, but only achieved one of the two. Uh, uh oh. <laughs> when Maurice found out that any amateur entering the competition had to have an official handicap, uh, which in this case, Maurice had never actually played the game and did not have a handicap. I'm not sure he knew what it was. <laughs> did you just and, walk on a limp? <laughs> So he claimed to be a professional that was unattached. So like he was, he said he was like a professional that didn't have like a sponsorship or anything. Uh, and he did that just to avoid a handicap instead of just lying and giving them a number that probably could have helped him in the end. <laughs> oh God. So I knowing... thought you were going to say he was like, I'm blind and that like, yeah. that was his handicap. And everyone's like, whoa, well, I, famous I, blind golfer. I honestly Googled it because I wasn't – the thing I was reading, I wasn't sure if he thought that it was like a uh, like a handicap as in, you know, like a like a physical injury or anything like that uh, or if he knew what a handicap was. <laughs> Obviously not either. <laughs> so knowing that he was in the game, like he like registered and got into it, he realized he should probably learn more about the game of golf instead of completely winging it. So he did the best possible thing he could to prepare for the match. And, no, it wasn't actually playing a few rounds of, uh, you know, or hitting, you know, the putting greens or, like, the uh, driving range. Uh, Maurice prepared for the tournament by studying a golf instruction manual by Peter uh, Alice that he found at his local library. Smart man. uh, Yeah, then he wandered down to the beach to practice what he read in the sand. (laughs) The the sand is such a small aspect of the game. Well, he got confused. He read the sand trap chapter too many times. (laughs) How do I get it out of this (laughs) hellhole? He's walking up. He's like, "Where? A lot of green out here. Where's? Well, you gotta rake this shit after fucking sand. Gotta rake this." So, Tobin, what? What always happens when people make a big nasty lie? They never get caught and it always works out. There always comes a time where their cover is blown and the truth is revealed. Uh-uh. Uh this is Maurice's downfall. 
Uh, all the cards, cards were on the table when uh, Maurice managed to score a 49 over par and a 121, the worst score in the tournament's history ever. <laughs> it was so bad that some people, um, like some of the other uh, professionals playing in the tournament, were so pissed off that they demanded a refund for their entry fee back, which was granted. Why didn't they? That was like they were gonna win. Um, I don't know. They probably played bad. And like it was a distraction. I want my money back. Or oh something yeah, like that. probably. It was so bad that the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St Andrews, aka the RNA, slapped Maurice with a lifetime ban from not just golf tournaments, but a lifetime ban from all of their courses. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, it was so bad that they like didn't even want to give him a chance to practice and get better. They're just like, no, fuck this guy. And it's so funny too because like, do you really need to show your ID at a golf course? Like, I love it when there's like, you're like when people go like, you're banned. Like I always get, you're banned from every Starbucks because you pee peed in our light sockets. And I was like, yeah. okay, you don't take my ID when I get coffee. Who's going to, like, yeah. you guys have wanted posters of me all around in every fucking state, like, looking for me? Well, that's the thing, though, is they, I think it was, like, a pretty big deal. Like, everybody knew who he was. Oh, in the golf world, everyone's like, this is the guy. I mean, the golf world is a much tighter community than the Starbucks world, I would assume. I don't say that. Why would you say that? Starbucks community is so tight. Do you know what they do for our birthdays? <laughs> No. They give us they give us eight hours to go get a cup of coffee and then they revoke it very quickly if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> coffee. Nope, nope. No, you're a minute past. You're a Dude, minute past. I got two emails for my birthday. One from was from Starbucks and they they're like, you have to get this now. You have five minutes to get your cup of coffee. And then Coffee Bean was like, you have a whole month to take. This. Like, if you want to come get it in a month, you can. Starbucks is weird about it, dude. Yeah, stingy. So uh, it was only after he started uh, to show his talents that the other golfers noticed that Maurice was basically playing with a Dollar Tree with a Dollar Tree golf set. Um, <laughs> Wait, there's a pink unicorn in there, purple yeah. unicorn. It's funny, you know, I had that in here before you told that story. Um, and from his appearance and abilities, he gained the alias of the Royal and Ancient Rabbit. What's that? I don't know. I must have been like an old English like insult. Oh, I see. No, fucking no. <laughs> Forty. What was it? Forty nine over par and one twenty one final. Yeah. So if you guys don't know, par is, let's just say like a a hole at the beginning of every hole, it'll say like three or four or five, and that's how many hits it is supposed to take on average to get the ball in the hole on that hole. So if yeah, it says so you, five. Ideally, you want to do above that. You want to do below that. I mean, well, okay, yeah, yeah. You want to hit it in on like a hole in one. The lower your score is, the better it is. And par for yeah. a course, when people say like, oh, that's par for the course, it would be like 74. That means it would take 74 hits to play the course exactly like average of like what people should be playing if you're like a pretty good player. If you hit below par, yeah. you're a really good player. If you hit far below, you're like a great player. He was 45 over par, and he <laughs> ended with like a 121. So the the course was like probably like you know 
like a, a, a quick maths i don't know that one 80 80 something yeah 80 something but yeah it's wow that's so funny <laughs> yeah i would love to see that putting game it'd be like putt 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 pass the hole pass the hole pass the hole pass the hole <laughs> Yeah, uh, there was like an old newspaper that was like uh, saying something about how he might have been confused by the map because he hit the ball the wrong direction multiple times. <laughs> and, no, uh, it's probably just like me. His, his comment was that uh, he where he messed up was he left it. I think he left his nine iron in the boot of his car, which that with that club, he's uh, he's a dead shot with it. But oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So oh after his big debut, he was quickly known as the world's worst golfer. But you know how it is. Men like Maurice couldn't stop there. But where could he go? There's only one direction to go, and that's up. So after he was so proudly initiated into celebrity golf world by being, you know, the worst, uh, Maurice was considered a C-list celebrity. Which is sad because there's probably thousands of good golfers who dedicate their lives to the game <laughs> and uh, no one will ever remember them, but Mm-mm. they remember the guy that was just like horrifically bad. We're talking about him. Exactly. There you go. It's so like Tom- he's, this- the t- he's the Tommy Wiseau of golf. That's a great analogy. Tommy Wiseau is the director and actor in the infamous horrible movie The Room. If you haven't seen so it. So good. The Disaster Artist, that's what that movie if, is about. If you haven't seen it and you enjoy this podcast, then that movie is for you, I would say. <laughs> it's great. Or so uh, through his C-list status, Maurice would start to collect various golf trophies named after him for things like poor play or egregious mishaps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he also had the honor of having the Maurice Gerald Flitcroft member guest tournament named in his honor by the Grand Rapids uh, Blythefield Country Club. See, these are golf courses I want to go to. These are the cool golf courses. Some well, snooty-ass shit kicking yeah. me out. Uh, the Blythefield Head Pro, sounds like a terrible title to own, uh, said <laughs> that it started as a lark, but most people can't break 90, so they relate more to Maurice than they would to a touring pro. What a douche. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! you're big time. You're at the Blythe Golf Course, man. Blythe Country Club. No one's heard of you. I'm glad you left his yeah. fucking name out. Was that Tiger Woods? I'm glad that his title is, uh, he has the title of head pro. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, the emphasis is in the wrong spot, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Yeah. It's not a great, not a great name. <laughs> so by the 22nd, uh, Maurice G. Flitcroft member guest tourney, uh, the club decided to spice things up by using a green that had not one, but two holes just to help the players out. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. So you'd like... They had like holes, you know. You have to hit the ball in the hole. They put two of them on the green, so like just so you were closer, closer to one. Oh my yeah. god! But it didn't stop there. Not only did they have more targets to shoot at, but these two holes had a twelve-inch cup to it. Oh my god! What's a and normal I, cup size? I googled it. The normal golf hole is four and one quarter inches. Oh my god! It was twelve inches. Yeah, it's like three times bigger than the normal. Oh my god! That's amazing. <laughs> 
I love that. It's a full foot. That's a frisbee, dude. Yeah. Oh my god. You can't so, miss. At one point, the big dog himself, Maurice, flew to Blythefield to play in the golfing event. Uh, a great a great side note is that apparently he mentioned to another golfer that it was nice to be out of the house because it was the first time him and his wife had gotten out of the house since their gas oven exploded. Uh, <laughs> oh, Maurice. <laughs> oh, Maurice. Uh, many spectators were surprised when Maurice played into the low 90s, which Maurice said, I wasn't playing too well. Some faults had crept into my swing, but I hit a lot of good shots. So he actually, he played much better than he usually did in the, you know, under the spotlight. Uh, so That's at the cool. end of the day, at the end of the day, Maurice attempted to qualify for the British Open, uh, which he tried he tried six times <laughs> which four of those times he had to use a random alias because he was banned from most courses with dignity mm-hmm. uh and you know like most stories this has to come to an end on march 24th 2007 at the age of 77 uh maurice flitcroft passed away from no. a lung infection no. which had to have come from his years of chain smoking Mm. Uh, he may have never understood the Royal Ancients problem with the way he played the game because to him, it was only a game and a game that he loved. Uh, so yeah, that's the end. Uh, there's a really good book. I think it's a good book. I bought it for my brother-in-law for his birthday. Christmas. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I got it for a gift, but it was called the Phantom of the Open. And it's a, it's a, it's a book about him. And uh, I've been wanting to, I told him that I wanted to read it after uh, he, he read it. So, Andrew, if you're listening, I want that book. <laughs> I want that book back I gave oh. you. Let me uh, see I'll, that I'll, book. I'll, I'll give it back. Just let me hold it for three years because <laughs> yeah. it'll take me three years to read it. You already know the big the big plot points too, so you just skim through that. I just want the juicy details. Exactly. I feel like I'm missing a lot. I was telling I was telling Alex before we started, I was like, I wrote the whole fucking story and then I found another article after I wrote it that had like way better information on it and it was too late for me to like That's a really, classic David right there. <laughs> yeah. Just like, ah, shoot. So yeah, there's a lot better information about this story. You guys could you get what you pay for we don't charge 18 dollars a book this is all free baby yeah so our effort is minimal at least mine is (laughs) (laughs) so keep on listening (laughs) well thank you david that's a great story i i i really strive to play like maurice more in my in the the low 90s because uh, i I think that's the best i'm getting there's a good message to it, you know. Just don't worry about being the best. Just have fun. Especially in like a in a world of golf where you get that snooty. Do or die. Yeah, it's just like it's so highfalutin. It's like, oh, we're better than you, and like yeah. you have to have a lot of money to play here. He's kind of like uh, Bill Murray, you know. He's just showing up trying to kill some gophers and in, mm-hmm. in Caddyshack, you know. So classic um, film. But yeah, I mean. Uh, it's such a fun I, I love a good underdog story or should i say rabbit but uh thank you guys so much for listening 
Once again, we love doing this. We love telling you guys stories, and we love it when you stick around and listen. So if you want any more information, go to our Instagram page at Camp Strange Podcast and click the link in the bio to, to find all the hyperlinks that you need for merch, for to listen on any platform. Uh, if you want to rate, review, subscribe, that would be cool. If you want to send us an email, send it to campstrangepodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, uh, what else do we have in the merch store, David? Because I know we're, we're trying to bring this back a little bit. Not every week, uh, but we're, we're – uh, oh, David's just so tired. I got a beef brisket. Oh, I love beef brisket. You know who loves beef brisket? Raven. Ra- that's so raven eating beef brisket. That's so raven. That's not even how the fucking song goes, man. Really? Well, not that high. You sure? Actually, no. Not either. You called my bluff. <laughs> I have uh, syphilis. I have a cabinet, and it's full of needles. I have a porcupine tomahawk. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I have it. Can't I have, have a it. Foot tall crab. I have a bad mommy. I have a translucent small boy. <laughs> What's his name? His name's Roger, but he doesn't <laughs> respond to it. Go home, Roger. Um, I have a honeysuckle plant that makes you more handsome when mm. when you honeysuckle it. I've got a piccolo that opens an ancient door in a far distant land. I have a pickle that opens a door in a far ancient land as well. Pickle? I said piccolo. Pickle. L- like the little flute. Mm, yes, yes, yes. I carved holes in mine too. Different reasons though. I have a 32-year-old man who won't give up his high school theater career. <laughs> <laughs> I have an electrician who never got any form of schooling, who's ready to fix your lights next to your son's crib. <laughs> Too dark? He just pee-peed on the socket. I can't figure out He's gonna how light he it fixed up. it. How did he fix it? It's fixed, but it just smells don't, like urine. Just don't get don't get within like a foot of that outlet. You're going to get shocked. You're going to get zapped. <laughs> it's going to sting. You're going to get asparagus smell. Don't go near it. <laughs> well, how come he love asparagus so much? I I have origami tools. You can't I, use them. You just got to look at them. I have the bottom part of Wilson's face from Home Improvement. Oh, that's the guy who looks over the fence. You only see the top part of his that face. That guy's a real fucking creep. Home improvement? How about fucking house security improvement? That dude's peeking through your windows. Yeah, how about Tim? get the Pappin sisters over there? There go your Tim. fucking eyes. Ooh, that peaked really loud. I'm sorry I did that. Tim, you got to keep an eye on Wilson because he knows about your Coke problem. Oh, dude. He did used to run Coke, huh? Oh, yeah. That's cool, Tim. Uh, I have a. I have a guest appearance of uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor on the Frasier reboot. I have Patrick Stewart's underpants. Hair? 
I have Patrick Stewart's hair. Hair piece? No, just the, the real hair. I've, I, I snatched it from him a long time ago. Ooh, he looks better now. Does. Can't imagine him with hair. Yeah, that, that flat don't. top didn't match. <laughs> oh, his vanilla ice costume was so good, though. Anyway, I think we should wrap it up. Two, do one more, one more each. I got a dog with two toes. I, <laughs> I, I can't beat that. I'm going to try to beat it, and I can't beat it. So you got to leave a little bit of mystery because then you're sitting there and go, shit. What's that? I got four what? legs, but two toes. What that boy <laughs> built like? Oh, he's got two on one. He's got one on two. What is how, it? How that dog goes with four jeans? Quarters? Or he wear jeans on his all four legs or just on the back half? Anyway, um, uh, thank you guys for listening. David, do you have anything to say before we leave? Oh, uh, no. Um, pop, lock, and drop it. <sighs> so good. Thank you. Inspiring. And don't forget to stay strange.